Epiphany Church in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Welcome to Epiphany's Podcast, a ministry of Epiphany Anglican Fellowship in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Our church exists to help people discover and rediscover the love of God in the Christian gospel. For more information about our church, you can visit epiphanyligonier.org. We'd speak to you today in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. you be seated. In 2014, the New York Times put a write-up out about its own uh, robust obituary department. And like, that's a little self-important if you ask me for a newspaper to write a news story about a department within its own newspaper. I, I think that may be a little much. But the story was fairly fascinating, all things considered. Um, The question was asked how the New York Times obituary staff managed to keep up with the world's most important deaths. And it turns out between their regularly scheduled death notices, uh, the obituary team is able to compose a number of advanced obituaries, pre-written obituaries for those whose impending death seemed culturally important. Former presidents, rock stars, socialites, war heroes... Their obituaries are already written, and they are ready for publication at a moment's notice. In fact, the staff acknowledged that their advanced obituary files included 1,900 pre-written obituaries for those who they had considered to be newsworthy, who they didn't want to wait to compose a new obituary, uh, that they had it ready to go at a moment's notice when the person died. And in some very rare cases, this has happened only a handful of times at the New York Times, in some very rare cases, an obituary will be published where the writer of the obituary had already passed. The writer of the obituary had composed one of the advanced obituaries and put it in the file, and they had gone on to pass along, but then the person who they wrote about died after them. This happened with actress Elizabeth Taylor, it happened with comedian Bob Hope, baseball legend Ted Williams. The writers of their obituaries died before the famous person themselves. They call this phenomenon in the New York Times an obituary from beyond the grave. An obituary from beyond the grave. I mean, how about that? Having a dead person write your obituary, someone who could summarize your life in such a way uh, that the death was not a hindrance to its publication. In fact, this is such a, a rare thing, but it's something to meditate on as we conclude our time this morning with the patriarch Abraham in our reading from Genesis. We've been following our man Abraham now for months. In the timeline of Genesis, we've been with Abraham across 13 chapters. Uh, but they started. we started with Abraham when he was age 75, when he left home in what we would call modern-day Turkey to follow God south into a region that we would now call Israel. And so now the patriarch, the man who was given promises from God, that man now dies a century later. He dies at the happy old age of 175 years old. 
Abraham is a foundational figure in all of Scripture. He's really the first person that we get to interact with who has a fully fleshed out relationship with God. We, we know a little bit about how Adam and Eve would walk with God. We know a little bit about how Noah survived the flood. But in terms of a good and bad, fully fleshed out, high and low, thick and thin relationship with God, Abraham's really the first. And with his death today, I think maybe it would be good for us to pause and reflect on what this means. In fact, what I'd like to do today is craft a bit of an obituary for Abraham. Let's craft an obituary for Abraham today. We could start at the beginning. Uh, Abraham was preceded in death by his father Terah, and he grew up in the ancient city of Ur. Um, That's in modern-day Iraq. And back then, we called him Abram. We called his wife Sarai. But God changed their name, so let's use God's name as opposed to the original name. And after they got married, you see, uh, the family, the whole family, Terah's family, they uprooted and moved from Ur to um, modern-day Turkey. They moved from Iraq to Turkey, as it were. And at the time, Abraham and Sarah, they were childless. And they had sort of resigned themselves to that barren state. They said, we're just going to hang with our extended family. We don't have any children to take care of us when we get old, so maybe our extended family, our nephews and nieces, and that whole community will take care of us in our old age. But then at age 75, we should probably put this in his obituary, Abraham had a religious experience that changed his entire life. God spoke with Abraham and offered him a deal. Leave your family and follow me, and I will bless you beyond anything you could possibly imagine. I will give you a nation. I will bless your progeny, and they will become so many they have to form a government. I will bless those who bless you, and those who dishonor you I will curse, and through your name every family on earth is going to be blessed. And, and God offers this deal to Abraham, and Abraham says, okay, let's do it. Where do you want me to go? And God says, I need you to move south from here. And so Abraham packs his things, takes his wife, and he takes his nephew Lot, and they all travel south uh, to the land of Canaan. And uh, God says, this land will one day be for you. And so this is the most monumental thing. After 75 years, Abraham has this moment where he follows God's lead. Um, While we can include that in the obituary, maybe we shouldn't include his sojourn to Egypt at the beginning of his story in Genesis. Remember that? The famine hit Canaan. He goes down to Egypt, but then he lies and says that his wife is actually his sister. And then he goes, and and, and the, the Pharaoh comes and takes his wife into his harem, and God intervenes and rescues um, Sarah. Um, but the Pharaoh is so mad about it that he says, get out of my country, don't ever come back again, you liar. Um, part of the thing about obituaries is we don't really always include the messy parts, and so maybe we should not mention that part in Abraham's obituary. We're going to leave that part out. But we can put in his obituary a little bit about his nephew Lot. Even after they parted ways, Abraham raised an army to go rescue him when a regional war broke out. The family man, right, Abraham, he loves his nephew. He's a warrior. He's a general. Those are great things to put in Abraham's obituary. Um, Wealth is always a touchy subject for obituaries, too. Death comes for us all. Wealth doesn't matter a whole lot. But, I mean, the reality is is he was one of the richest men in the region. Abraham was loaded. Um, But that didn't really mean much to Abraham. Like, it was good that he had the money, but what he really wanted was a son. 
He had been following God for a number of years, and eventually he calls God out on the mat and says, God, you promised me a son, there's no son. And God ends up making this bargain where he walks through a bloody trench, a way of forming an old legal contract to say to Abraham, Abraham, I promise you a son, and if I don't give you a son, may my own blood be in this trench. You can't have a father, be a father of a nation without any kiddos. So God has to actually come to Abraham and show him through blood that he means what he says. You know, and, and that's important too. Maybe that should be mentioned in the obituary that he made deals with God. And maybe, but the, you know, it gets a little tricky when you talk about family matters. Some family matters and obituaries get complicated. It gets messy. Should we mention Hagar? Should we mention the fact that he has a son with a woman named Hagar, named Ishmael? Well, if you look at our reading today, one of the things you may notice is that Ishmael returns for the funeral of his father. That it's not just Isaac who buries Abraham, it's Isaac and Ishmael. So, you know, we should probably at least be that polite to put Ishmael in the obituary, right? Um, And so um, that was not a great season for Abraham and his family, though. Because Hagar thinks she's been elevated to the position of wife and tries to sort of move in on Abraham and, and elbow out Sarah. But Sarah, on the other hand, right, she says, you know, you're just a slave. You're just a servant. Um, and, and it ends up being that Hagar is dismissed and fired as her, from her role as a servant. So not a proud moment, but one we really can't gloss over. We should probably mention the, uh, the, the, the development of circumcision as well. It's a trend, right? He's sort of the first person to bring that trend to the region, this unique body modification like a piercing or a tattoo. Oh, and we have to tell the story about Isaac's birth um, because it was a birth that came in their later life that brought so much joy and laughter to those in their orbit. A lot of things happen in this time. Abraham is visited by God in the form of three travelers. Um, Abraham pulls out the stops. He's a gracious host to God when he shows up on his front doorstep. Abraham tries to pawn off his wife again to another king, um, but God shoots that idea down before it really, you know, goes anywhere. But maybe, you know, obituaries are supposed to be short, so we don't have to go through all of this. Abraham was also predeceased by his wife, Sarah, which makes him a widow. But at the same time, about the same time, Isaac got married, their son. And so joy returned to the family. And also, in a passage we'll discuss, um, I'm hoping to do a bonus podcast on this because it's a little much, but um, Abraham marries again. And the issues of barrenness aren't there. And so he actually has a number of children with his second wife. Um, But everything at this point, by the time Abraham hits the ripe old age of 175, everything is in place for God's promise to be fulfilled. There's family wealth to live off of. There is a son to inherit the promise. The son is married, and the two of them are ready to start their own family. And so, as our reading says today, as God had promised a number of chapters before, Abraham can die now at peace at a good old age, seeing the promises of God fulfilled in his life and in his context. So if we were to write an obituary for Abraham, it might go something like this. This is my best shot at it. Abraham of Canaan, formerly of Haran, has died at the age of 175 at a good old age. 
He was born in Ur of the Chaldeans at the age of 75. He moved to Canaan, the region he came to call home for a hundred years. Abraham was a man of faith, and he credits the source of his immense wealth, building an estate that rivaled the kings of the region in size and power. He credits that to God. A warrior and a leader, he preferred the nomadic life, enjoying the cool morning breeze blowing through his tents and cooking for traveling strangers. He was preceded in death by his, wife, his father, Terah, and his wife, beloved wife, Sarah. Their son's miraculous late-in-life birth was a source of joy and laughter to all who heard it. Abraham leaves behind a second wife, a number of other children, a concubine, Hagar, from whom he is separated, and a son, Ishmael. It was said of Abraham that he made deals with God himself and took, um, and to look at his life, it seems as if God kept up his end of the bargains. In lieu of flowers, sacrifices can be made to Abraham's God in praise and thanksgiving for a life well lived. How's that for an obituary? It's not bad. You know, maybe it's not New York Times quality, but, you know, I bet you the trib would take it. I think they, they would take it. All of our lives, though, are more complicated than our obituaries would share. It's the same way with Abraham. It's a nice obituary, but it glosses over a lot. Um, The thing about obituaries is that they tend to whitewash our tombs instead of telling the full truth. And that's fine. That's not the purpose of an obituary, to sort of dig up everyone's skeletons and, and put them out for the world to see. Indeed, part of what a funeral is supposed to do is help bury your skeletons six feet under. Um, Back in 2018, there was a headline, uh, an obituary that made headline news across the United States because it was not a whitewashed obituary, um, that a brother and sister wrote an obituary for their mother who had been deceased, um, but instead of praising the mother and highlighting her virtues and telling the story of her life, it exposed her very um, sort of, it exposed the skeletons in her closet. The obituary went on to talk about how um, she had two kids, but then left them and abandoned them to go run away with her husband's brother. Uh, the obituary went on to say how those two kids were abandoned and left to be raised by their grandparents. And that by the end of this obituary, you can see um, things are so painful for the children who are writing this obituary for their mother that they ended it like this. Here's how that obituary ended. She passed away May 31st, 2018 in Springfield and will now face judgment. She will not be missed by her children, Gina and Jay, and they understand that this world is a better place without her. Right? An honest obituary. And and if it's making your skin crawl, if it makes you feel uncomfortable, I think that's understandable. I, I kind of feel the same way. It's uncomfortable because we don't want to believe in a world where mothers abandon their children. And we don't want to believe in a world where our great sins are published and stored on the internet forever. Indeed, what if at the end of our lives, our obituaries were uh, sprinkled with the kind of things that we left out of Abraham's obituary? You know, he loved his kids, but he spent too much time in the office because his work was the measure of his value. She loved her pet dog, Ruffles, perhaps too much because she was... Uh, too afraid of human intimacy to grow close with someone else and start a family. He put in 25 years at the mill and retired early with a pension, but his colleagues were glad to see him go because of his short fuse, bad uh, bad temper, and fits of anger. 
She was loved in the community. She might have lived another decade if she hadn't avoided doctor visits and taken better care of her body. He served on the nonprofit board, but only because he needed community service hours from the plea deal he struck after the DUI. She was married to her husband but for 35 years, but there was an affair at age 20 that was swept under the rug to, prefer, to, to take away and hide from public scandal. I mean, who knows? Maybe you're um, finding it free. Maybe you would find it free to have all of your sins exposed after you were gone to clear the air in your obituary. But I'm guessing these kind of honest obituaries would make you, um, if you'll pardon the expression, roll over in your grave. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. I appreciate the laugh. But thankfully, we can say in church today, your obituary is already written. Abraham's obituary has been written too. What I just did was kind of an exercise in futility. Remember the deal that God struck with Abraham way back in that Genesis 15, the chapter with the bloody trench? Uh, You remember that chapter? Um, In that reading, what you'll find is this one verse, and if you'll think back to that sermon, if you were here that Sunday, I shared that this was certainly the most important verse in the entirety of the Old Testament and one of the most important in the entirety of the Bible. When God promises a son and God walks through the bloody trench, the text tells us that Abraham believed God, right? He believed that God would provide the son. And God credited it to him, reckoned it to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God and God credited it to to him as righteousness. Because Abraham believed God at his promise, because Abraham took God at his word, God treats him as if that obituary we just read was an accurate and full account of his life. Um, The failures and the faults are forgotten and forgiven. The embarrassing parts are erased. They are no more. God's relationship with Abraham is rooted in faith and belief. And because of this, in God's eyes, Abraham is righteous and without blemish. In God's eyes... Abraham's whitewashed obituary is as accurate and true as any other. And the same will go for you one day yourself. Your obituary, devoid of the embarrassing and the condemning and the shameful, well, really it's been penned in advance already. Your faults and failures have been expunged. Your skeletons have been buried. And like the New York Times, your obituary was published from beyond the grave by someone who already died. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we have a relationship with God that mirrors Abraham's relationship. If we believe that Jesus is king and that he's coming back to judge the world, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, then we too have believed in God's promise and we too are counted as righteous. The Bible word for this is justification. It's when we believe in God's promises, we are viewed by God as people just as if I never sinned. Justification. Just as if I never sinned. And in the realms of heaven, our obituary life is the account that God sees when he makes his promises to us. The story of Abraham, friends, in our reading today and in our reading over the past 13 chapters, the story of Abraham is the story of a wildly imperfect man who believed in God's promises. 
He was not a particularly holy man. He was not a saint as we are accustomed to using that word. He was a man who God elected to work with, a person who took God at his word. God did not love him because he lived a perfect obituary style life of serene perfection and harmony. God loved him even when he didn't live that obituary life. And the story of a wildly imperfect person believing in God's promises is our story too. We too, like Abraham, have a long and fully fleshed out, good and bad, high and low, thick and thin relationship with God. But at the end of the day, it's not about our faith or Abraham's faith. It's a story about God keeping his promises. And that, friends, is the true theme of the past 13 weeks we have been with Abraham the man. God keeps his promises. Your obituary will probably not be written by the staff of the New York Times. Most of us will have our obituaries written in the local papers, written by our loved ones, paid for as part of the funeral costs. Those obituaries, friends, are inconsequential at best. But in the book of heaven, your name and obituary has already been written. You, dear friend, believed, and God credited it to you as righteousness. And that's the only obituary that really matters. In Jesus' name, amen. Ligonier, Pennsylvania.